When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. The Unofficial Bengals Podcast. Welcome to the Unofficial Bengals Podcast. This is your host, Frank LaPlaca, and I'm a Bengals fan for life. All right, in this episode, we're going to give out the Unofficial Bengals Podcast Awards for the Bengals 2024 season. What's up, Bengal Nation? This is Adrian the Mad Backer Ross, and you're listening to the Unofficial Bengals Podcast. Who day? Cincinnati Bengals fans, I would like to introduce Frank LaPlaca. All right, so it's Super Bowl week, and the Pro Bowl has come and gone, thankfully. Yes, the Super Bowl is exciting. It's the last week of NFL football until the offseason comes. I'm going to be placing a bunch of bets on it. I'm going to have some people over, so it should be a good game. It's a pretty good matchup. But in all reality, I just can't enjoy it the same way, knowing that the Bengals are not going to be in it. And as far as the game goes, it's two of my most hated teams. Like I said in the last episode, who do you root for? Do you want the Chiefs to win? And now every commercial is going to be filled with Chiefs, and you just can't unsee Mahomes and Kelsey and Andy Reid? Or do you want the Niners, who shattered our dreams twice, it's, it's a tough one to decide who you want to win. It's like the lesser of two evils. If I have to pick a team that I think is going to win, it's probably going to be the Chiefs because they just seem like it always goes their way. If I'm going to pick the team that I'm going to root for, I'm rooting for a 0-0 tie and the game ends in a tie and no one's the champion. But if someone has to win it, I'm going to go with the 49ers. I cannot believe I'm saying that out loud, but if I had to choose... I guess I would pick the 49ers. Purdy's a good story. I like Kittle. Their skill position players aren't hateable. You know, I hate the colors and and the franchise more than I hate the actual players that are on that team right now. But regardless, I'm rooting for the Cincinnati Bengals to win the Super Bowl. And I'm rooting for me to win a lot of money on my bets. And I'm rooting for ribs and chicken wings and shrimp and lots of fixins. All right, so let's get into the awards for the 2024 season. We're going to start off with the MVP of the team. And mine might come as a shock to you because he didn't play the whole season, but it is Joe Burrow. Regardless of the fact that he only played 10 games, he did go 5-5. Five and five. You could see that he turned the corner after the calf healed. And the last two games that he lost, the Texans game, that wasn't on him. We just couldn't contain Noah Brown, and we couldn't contain C.J. Stroud. 
and the Ravens game where he ultimately got hurt, it looked like we were on track to win that game until Burrow came out and our sail was deflated and our balloon popped and, you know, of course we didn't go on to win that game. So if you think about those 10 games that he played, he really did have us at a 7-3 and three level, which is pretty elite, and that is the MVP of the team. And it's not just what he does on the field, it's what he does as a leader and in the locker room. And that's why when you saw he was hurt, the team didn't know what to do with themselves in the beginning of the year and when he got hurt midway through the season. So if Joe Burrow plays in a year and performs the way he did midway through, remember that the Seahawks win... It was like Arizona, Seahawks, the big win over the Niners, the big win over the Bills, you know, coming out of the gate strong against the Texans and doing everything he could to win that game. He was the hottest quarterback in the league for a stretch, and you know that if Burrow stayed healthy for those last, what, seven games, we were going to the playoffs. And when the Bengals get in the playoffs, they play big under the lights because we have players that don't will under the lights. So Joe Burrow is the MVP of this team. But yes, even in this year where you figure you give it to someone who played more games, no, it's Joe Burrow, Cincinnati Bengals, 2024 MVP. Runner-up to Burrow. Now you have to think, what is an MVP? It's a most valuable player. It's a player that when he's not in the lineup, the team isn't the same. And there's two guys that come into mind as runner-up here. So you have Trey Hendrickson and you have Jamar Chase. And the team isn't the same without either of them in the lineup. But without Chase, we have enough firepower at the wide receiver position to kind of get by, win some games, maybe not championship level, but to still, you know, be a productive team. When Hendrickson is out, the pass rush disappears, and we've seen it firsthand. And even though he got hurt, he hurt his knee, he hurt his shoulder, he got banged up a couple times, he didn't miss any time this year, and fortunately our pass rush did not suffer. But without Hendrickson in that lineup, it's a totally different pass rush. So with that said... I'm going to make Hendrickson, Mr. Trey Hendrickson, the runner-up for MVP, and I'm going to give Jamar Chase honorable mention. And that's no slight against Chase. He's one of the most electric receivers in the league, and we're not the same team without him either. Okay, on to Offensive Player of the Year, and the rules of the unofficial Bengals podcast awards is no one can win two awards. So that takes Burrow out of the Offensive Player of the Year, Chase. And with that said, I'm going to give it to Jamar Chase because he was the Offensive Player of the Year. You know, even though he missed a few games, he still put up well over 1,000 yards, a whole bunch of touchdowns, and was electric when he was in there at all times. So Jamar Chase is the Offensive Player of the Year for the Cincinnati Bengals. The runner-up is Joe Mixon. Even though there weren't a lot of 100-yard games, a lot of the times the blocking wasn't there. But he carried this team in the running game, even though the running game wasn't great. He was a very productive player for us. He had 11 touchdowns. It just seems like when Joe Mixon's in there, you're always a threat on offense. And that's why he's the runner-up for Offensive Player of the Year. An honorable mention, I mean, there's a lot of guys. You know, you think of T. Higgins. You think of Jake Browning. But I'm going to give the honorable mention to Ted Karras because I think he had a great year on the offensive line. I think he had the best year out of all the linemen. And typically that's gone to Kappa over the last couple years. But this year was Karras's year. Even in the games where the line faltered, he was one of the guys who kind of didn't. And when the line played well, he was leading the charge there. So Ted Karras, you get honorable mention for Offensive Player of the Year. Defensive Player of the Year, 
with 17 and a half sacks, that has to go to Trey Hendrickson. And it's obvious he is the best player on our defense. He did go to another Pro Bowl, and he has been nothing but electric since he came to this team. His sack totals always lead the team. He's a threat for any offense. He when he doesn't do in sacks, he does in pressures and, and teams scheming against him and double teaming. So it's it's not just the sack numbers, but it's his whole contribution. He seals off the edge very well as well. And that's why he's our defensive player of the year. The runner-up is Jermaine Pratt, and you can argue Logan Wilson versus Pratt. You know, Wilson had a bunch of interceptions, so on paper, that looks better. But I think Jermaine Pratt had the better year. He was all over the place all the time. He's a turnover machine, and I just think he had a very dominant year and a breakout year. And I'm so happy with both of those linebackers. But if I'm going to give a runner-up for the Defensive Player of the Year based on this year's performance, it's going to go to Jermaine Pratt. An honorable mention... Mike Hilton, another one, a silent contributor. All the times he's in the backfield, times where a tight end or a receiver catches the ball on the flat on a one-on-one tackle, and he makes the tackle. He's a leader on defense, and you know sometimes his coverage isn't at the top of the charts, but his overall game totally is, and he's one of the best slot corners in the league, and that's why he gets honorable mention for Defensive Player of the Year. Special Teams Player of the Year, Evan McPherson. Even though it wasn't like his rookie year where he had all these game-winning kicks, he wasn't put in that position to have those game-winning kicks. But he's always reliable, very rarely misses. He's gold from 50-plus yards, and we have one of the top kickers in the league. And, you know, statistically, it wasn't the greatest year for him as well. But he's one of those guys that you can see contributing to Super Bowl runs and championship runs as he has the first few years of his career. So Evan McPherson is the special teams player of the year. It's tough to give a runner-up for that because there's not many returns. You know, you, you can't just give Charlie Jones based on one touchdown return. The Gunners were in and out of the lineup. It wasn't always, you know, you had DJ Ivy playing well. You had Yossi Vosh playing well. You know, even Nick Scott was playing well at the end there. But it wasn't like one specific Gunner, like the Stanley Morgans of the past, was just dominating. So I didn't really have a Gunner. I didn't have a return specialist. Our punter had an up-and-down season, so I'm not going to give out a whole slew of awards for honorable mention, but if I have to give a runner-up for Special Teams Player of the Year, it's going to be Cal Adamitis. Another thankless job, you know, just snapping pretty much perfectly on every play. No unplayable snaps. He's continuing in the Clark Harris tradition. So, Cal Adamitis, you are the runner-up for Special Teams Player of the Year. Okay, here's the big one, Rookie of the Year, and everyone has their own opinions. And if you look at the draft... We got contributions from pretty much everybody. Even Miles Murphy was coming on at the end of the year. DJ Ivey was playing well, a seventh rounder. You know, we had Brad Robbins learning the game and, you know, being a starting punter and punted all 17 games for us. You had Chase Brown with an electric year. You had Yosevash with a breakout year. Charlie Jones is looking like he's building for the future. And you have Jordan Battle. You have DJ Turner contributing heavily in the secondary and getting a bunch of starts. So an amazing draft for us Cincinnati Bengals, and that's a couple really good drafts in a row, and that's how you build a dynasty and a championship-level team, and that's exactly what we are. So with that said, the Rookie of the Year for the Unofficial Bengals podcast, and it might be a little bit debatable with some, but I'm going to go with DJ Turner. And I know near the end of the year, he started getting a little more vulnerable in coverage. But there was a time period where teams weren't really throwing at him. He was only giving up a couple receptions a game. And he just came in seamlessly when Cam Taylor Britt went down without really any drop-off. And that's tough for a rookie corner. And I know people are going to say Jordan Battle, who is the runner-up here. 
and had a great year too. But, you know, Jordan Battle took some wrong angles. It took him a little bit to get in the starting lineup as well. Totally satisfied with his play. I'm not knocking on Jordan Battle. He is the runner-up for Rookie of the Year. So I hold his game very highly. But DJ Turner was really shocking that he was just able to adjust to the NFL that quickly. You know, and, and give someone like me, who's, who's very analytical of the team, a reason to say, whoa, you know, we have our secondary of the future here. And I have said this in a lot of episodes, but I just love talking about it because it's so encouraging when you have a Cam Taylor Britt and you have DJ Turner and now you have Dax Hill and Jordan Battle. I mean, you have four players that are, you know, what, less than 25 years old that look like they can be here for a decade if you're able to get everyone under contract. And those first couple years that we have everybody under contract for are very inexpensive years and allow us to pay your Chases and your Burrows and your Higgins and, you know, hopefully a DJ Reader. So very excited about what we have in this young secondary. So it would be DJ Turner, number one. It would be Jordan Battle, number two. And it would be Chase Brown, number three. Now, if Chase Brown was healthy and played more this year, he could have easily shot to the top of this list because he was a game changer when he was in there. So he's going to get honorable mention, but the future is bright for him. And, you know, there's some people thinking that his breakout is going to mean that Mixon might not be coming back. I really hope that's not true. Let's let Joe get another year with us and hopefully a ring with us, because his game has not slowed down whatsoever. But Chase Brown, what a year. So excited to have you aboard. And again, that's a running back that comes at a pretty inexpensive price. Comeback player of the year. I have two, because it's really based on injury, and there weren't that many people that were injured last year for the whole year, or most of the year, that came back this year and and made a big difference. But the comeback player of the year is Cheeto Bayouzie. Because he came off an ACL that was torn on Halloween of last year. And he started from week one and had a very good season. You know, there was some ups and downs. But the corner position is always going to have those ups and downs. And I thought he played great for a guy coming off an ACL or even for a perfectly healthy player. And I'm not sure about his status for the future because of the emergence of the young corners. But Awuzie had a very good season and he is definitely the comeback player of the year. I don't have an honorable mention, but the runner-up for Comeback Player of the Year is Drew Sample. He found his role on this team, and remember, he missed pretty much all of last year with an injury. And he comes back this year, he has some key receptions, but the biggest contribution is they found that role for him, being like a personal protector for Joe Burrow in the backfield, or even Jake Browning, and he was invaluable at that position. So look for them to bring him back, and he was someone that you know we all thought, second-round bust, never really did much for us. And right, he's not going to get a big contract, but hopefully they bring him back as that niche role player because he excelled at it this year, and that's why he's runner-up for Comeback Player of the Year. Most surprising player, and this one was a juggling act because there was a couple players that were very surprising, and I'm sure you're going to agree with all of them. And for most of the year, I had Dax Hill as winning this award because, remember, he barely played as, as a rookie, and I was concerned about that, and I thought it was a bad move by us to not play him more as a rookie. And he comes in and has a very, very good season. He might have slowed down a little bit at the end, too. You know, everyone hits that rookie wall. I know he wasn't a rookie, but this was, like, his first significant playing experience. But anyway, the award for most surprising player is going to go to Jake Browning. I mean, here's a guy that we've never seen play. He barely moved the ball in the preseason games. Remember, we were in that that point of not scoring any touchdowns for a while in the preseason. And, you know, Joe Burrow goes down. We find out it's Jake Browning. And what did he do? He rose to the top. He answered the bell. He had a choice. He could make himself relevant or he could fade into obscurity. 
and he sees that opportunity, and I will always respect him for that. And yes, that was the biggest surprise because no one here knew that he could play that way on this level. And he's a starting NFL quarterback. And fortunately, because of the contract and him being an exclusive rights free agent, as long as we make him an offer, he's not going to go anywhere. So we have him for a couple years as a backup to Burrow. And if anything happens to Burrow, I, I'm confident that Browning can come in. It was just the Steelers gave him a rough time. And every other game, he had us either winning or in a position to win. So Jake Browning, what a pleasant surprise. And I'm just thrilled that you took your opportunity and ran with it because not everyone does that. A lot of people, they get the opportunity and they just don't know what to do with it. Maybe they don't work hard enough. Maybe they just it just wasn't meant to be. Maybe they just weren't good enough. But you were all of those things. And you were the most surprising player of the year to the unofficial Bengals podcast. The runner-up, as I mentioned, is Dax Hill. I thought he showed a lot of range this year. He played in the box. He played out of the box. He covered. He showed speed. He blitzed. He basically did everything we needed him to do. And yes, he's not Jesse Bates yet but he has the athletic skills to be, and his acumen for the game is, is seeming like it's right there too. So I'm not worried about Dax Hill. I think he's going to be a safety for us for a long time. He was a first-round pick for a reason. But based on him in the rookie year being invisible, he's the runner-up for most surprising player this year because I thought he had a great year. And the honorable mention for most surprising player of the year is Tanner Hudson. Where did he come from? You know, we thought he was an NFL cast-off, what he played for the Niners, had a cup of coffee with the Giants. You know, he's sitting there on our practice squad. You know, most fans probably wouldn't know him if they ran into him at, in the supermarket. And there he is. You know, midway through the season, he's he has a breakout game against the Bills, and he gets a whole bunch of receptions early. And we realize, whoa, this guy really has a, a knack for getting open. And that's really what it is, right? It's, it wasn't like outstanding speed and the best route runner and the best hands. He just knows where to sit and where to get open and how to be a contributor. And Joe Burrow was going to him early and often when Burrow was in there. And Browning had no drop-off because this guy makes himself available on the field. And we have ourselves a quality tight end here. And I know we're aspiring to get you know, a blue-chip Sam Laporta-type tight end. But if that doesn't happen, I'm confident that Tanner Hudson can put up a nice 40-50 to 50 reception season with a few touchdowns, a bunch of first downs, and you know, makes make himself someone that the defense has to worry about. So Tanner Hudson, I can't believe you had the year that you had. And another one, you took advantage of your opportunities. You know, you just could have sat in the practice squad as a guy that no one knew. And, you know, probably next year they might not have brought you back. But instead, you got in there, you seized the opportunity, and you show that you're a quality NFL player. And I really hope that they bring you back this year on a multi-year deal because I think it's well-deserved and I think you can contribute to a championship-level team. Coach of the year, the obvious choice is Coach Taylor, and I guess he is the coach of the year, but I thought it would be more interesting to let all the positional coaches compete for that award. So what do you do? You think of all the position groups, right? The wide receivers, everyone was good. The running backs, no matter who they put in there, they, they played well. Defensive line, you know, aside from maybe Murphy getting off to a slow start, it seemed like everyone contributed there secondary linebackers like pretty much everywhere players excelled maybe the offensive line wasn't an excelling unit the tight ends you know kind of in the middle there but when you think of all the position groups it's like there was a lot of great coaching performances so with the exception of coach Anarumo, coach Callahan coach Taylor I'm going to say that the coach of the year was coach Dan Pitcher 
because obviously he's a Burrow confidant and Burrow believes in him, and that's a, a huge statement right there. But think of the way that he got Jake Browning prepared to play this game. So I think that effort alone to bring a guy who never played in the NFL, at least in a regular season game, to turn him into a high-level NFL quarterback. And I know Browning had it in him, but the coaching was a big part of it too. So if you think of the position groups, we have an elite quarterback and another guy that went from obscurity to what one of the top 20, 25 quarterbacks in the league, maybe higher. Runner-up for Coach of the Year is going to go to Coach Robert Livingston. And he's the one who coaches the safeties. And if you think about it, Dax Hill went from playing zero to being a pretty good safety in this league. And Jordan Battle went from a third-round rookie to being a pretty good safety in this league right away. So I think the development of those two players is why Coach Livingston is going to be the runner-up for Coach of the Year. An honorable mention for the Coach of the Year goes to Coach Justin Hill, the running backs coach, because Mixon is productive. Travion Williams is productive when he's in there. Chase Brown had an amazing rookie year in the limited duty that he had. Chris Evans is always ready to play, even though they don't give him an opportunity. Everyone that that guy coaches is a a high-level NFL running back. So it's not by accident. Those guys are good players, but he gets the most out of his players. So with that said, he gets honorable mention for Coach of the Year. And now for the last award. And this is an award that, you know, anyone who wants to complain about the team, and, you know, sometimes that's how we we get our release, complaining about the guys that aren't playing well. So it's just human nature, I would say, is to want to, you know, point out the disappointments. And maybe it's therapeutic, maybe it's getting stuff off our chest, and again, maybe it's just human nature to want to gossip about guys. I I don't know what it is. But I figured it would be worthwhile to put this in. And these are my disappointments. And you got to remember, I'm rooting for everyone. I don't want anyone to make this list. And whoever I talk about, I don't want that to be a referendum on me not liking them or rooting against them. No way. They're a Bengal. I want all of these guys to, to be a Jake Browning, you know, to, to rise up the ranks and, and be a, a quality player in this league. I have nothing against any of the Bengals. Maybe sometimes Jonah a little bit, he gets me mad. So I just want to disclaim it with that because I don't want to sound like a hater because I love this team. You know I bleed orange. This is my favorite thing in the world to do. And it's like I'm too into the Bengals, to be honest with you. Okay, so for disappointment of the year, number one, Irv Smith. Just a non-factor. He had a couple drops. I know he had one nice touchdown to start a game on that corner route. But, you know, we thought he was going to come in like the tight ends had before him. You know, the way Hayden Hurst made a huge impact here. And the word on Smith coming in was that he was more athletic, faster, and ran better routes than Hurst. But Irv Smith was a non-factor, so much of a non-factor, that they made him a healthy scratch and put him on the inactive list for the last couple games. And that shows how much Tanner Hudson had emerged. That shows that Drew Sample had that role that was working for him. And the contribution from Wilcox on special teams and blocking and the occasional catch... They had all those guys above Irv Smith. Now, Irv Smith, he was a big name that we brought in, but he was a little bit of a risk because he had some injury history. He had some drop history. He was undersized for the position. But in reality, they only paid him, I believe, like $1.1 million. So it wasn't like we brought in this high-ticket tight end. It was just a, a recognizable name. So it was pretty low risk, but unfortunately we got very low reward out of it. Runner-up for most disappointing player of the year, Miles Murphy. And he did come on at the end, and he did have, what, three sacks, I believe? I'm not looking at the stats. 
but you know he compiled a couple sacks, which looks good on paper, but it didn't look like he was grasping the game. He wasn't a factor, and you know we're thinking coming into the year, all right, we have Hendrickson, we have Hubbard, Murphy's going to rotate in there. This is going to be an explosive pass rush, and we didn't quite get that out of him. Now I always say in the trenches, it takes you a little while to get to get your man strength up to compete with these guys that have been in the league for a while. So I don't. I think it's a learning curve with Murphy. I don't think he's a bust or a lost pick. Sophomore season, I think he's going to contribute more. But I'm looking at him like year three, year four, as starting to really break it because he's very athletic. I know his PFF grade was high, right? The, what the second best pressure rate out of all the rookies. You know, you know how I feel about the stats and and the analytics. You know, the eye test was that Miles Murphy really wasn't contributing that much. And, you know, I saw a couple plays where he took bad angles. I saw him get blocked by a wide receiver on a touchdown one time that really irked me. But there's a huge upside, and I'm not giving up on this player. But if I had to pick a runner-up for disappointment of the year, it is him because it was a first-round pick. We could have grabbed a couple tight ends that would have been a big factor for us this year, and we invested in the defensive line, and I understand why. You want to get cheap on the defense with high picks, when you have a lot of heavy price tags on the offense. So it made sense, even though Laporta would have been the dream pick on you know, on an afterthought there. But it did make sense to draft Miles Murphy. Unfortunately, he didn't deliver as we expected. An honorable mention, I guess what you I guess you're gonna call a dishonorable mention for disappointment of the year. And I don't think it's his fault. It was it's Jackson Carmen. I couldn't believe he was inactive. I couldn't believe that he didn't really get any playing time, I believe, until the Browns game at the end of the year. Because, remember, in the playoffs last year, I felt that he was our best offensive lineman, and he showed that he could play left tackle, and he was battling Jonah for that right tackle job. I think they were forcing him out of position, so he lost that, but he just couldn't crack the lineup in any way, not even as the extra offensive lineman, you know, not even when Kappa went down, they didn't want to bring him in. So I'm going to say out of no fault of his own, but again, maybe the team sees something in practice where they feel that he just wasn't the sixth offensive lineman or didn't deserve any playing time. I don't know the story. Anyway, Jackson Carmen, honorable mention for most disappointing player of the year because of the lack of contribution and lack of playing time. So that's it. Hope you enjoyed the awards. Next couple episodes, we're going to go over everyone on the offense and everyone on the defense and talk about their contributions. And it's probably going to be two episodes, one for the offense, one for the defense. And as you guys know, roster analysis is one of my favorite things to do. So I'm going to bring it for you. And I'll talk to you guys in about another week to 10 days. That'll do it for this episode. I'd like to thank at Bengals Highlights on Instagram, the best page out there. Really cool highlights, really cool music. Definitely something you should check out. Thank you for listening to the unofficial Bengals podcast. This is your host, Frank LaPlaca, and I'm a Bengals fan for life. The unofficial Bengals podcast.